I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Rafa from Bristol, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, if you opened a restaurant, what would it be called and what would be the best seller? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked, and we're talking everything from... We are talking everything from Rafa from Bristol's question. If you opened a restaurant, what would it be called and what would be the best seller? Uh, Dane, I actually have the answer to this um, pre-prepared from a long time ago. Um, Nice. uh, Because me and my wife want to open a restaurant one day that um, only serves the things that they bring round at weddings, you know, like appetizers. So you just pay like canapes. Yeah, so it's just canapes, it's, the rest, yeah, the restaurant's called canapes, and you just come in, you pay twenty five quid, and we'll keep bringing these things around all night, and then we make our money on the booze. So um, I like that. That's I like answer. that. That's a really good idea. That's yeah, not. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like a tapas train. There you go. Yeah, lovely, lovely. I get that. Um, yeah, I like that idea. I would, I feel like I would do something similar. I would have a. Uh, I don't know how to call it though. I feel like I'm going to call it Bap Squires. I feel yes. like that gives it an up, it's like an upscale suffix, right? It's like yeah. down to earth, and the prefix suffix is upscale. And I think uh, I like your idea as well of having almost like a canopy train. So I want to do something similar because I want people to enjoy lots of variety. But I also wanted it to be like a massive takeaway option. I want like if people like if we have a lockdown again, people could just get like orders of these different canopies and stuff as well. But that being said, the best seller I think would be the CBD Sunday. Yeah, you are very keen to mix uh, CBD with. Uh... Uh, food with um, frozen treats yeah I think I think mixing it with food because think about it if you take your kids for a CBD Sunday and you can also bring grandma or Mima yeah. as well her arthritis is taken care of by the CBD the kids yeah. shut the fuck up or if they have epilepsy they also feel relaxed as well and everyone enjoys a delicious family treat and goes home ever more relaxed knowing that any degenerative diseases have been mitigated somewhat by this ice cream Sunday Yep. So, yeah. Well, there you go. So, suffice to say, on this show, we ask and answer all the questions like that one from Rafa, don't we, Dane? Absolutely. Uh, any question people like? No question is too stupid, too intelligent, uh, and too CBD infused. So, if you like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, and you'll never miss an episode. Or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all of our questions and answers from all of our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show, our guest is a writer and comedian. He was raised as a Buddhist before living with Native Americans and finally settling down as a trainee rabbi. He's the writer and star of BBC Radio 4 sitcom Josh Howie's Losing It, nominated for a BBC Radio Award, and he's one of the stars of the sitcom Papalus, currently available on Channel 5's on-demand platform. And he is also the first comedian whose show I saw in its entirety at the Edinburgh Festival and was a massive influence. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Josh Howie. Wow, thank you very much. And I remember seeing your set, and it must have been super early, downstairs at Top Secret when it was in the African Centre. Oh, yeah, I remember. And it, oh. I mean, you must have been going... I don't know how long you'd be going, a couple of months maybe? Yeah, I think time. so. But you absolutely blew me away. I mean, I came up to you and I, I was like, this guy's going to be a massive star and I want to be friends with him now so that one day, <laughs> many years from now, he will invite me onto his podcast, even though I have no profile compared to his other guests. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I feel You're bringing some, some a, of those Radio 4 listeners. You're bringing us... Exactly. You know, and also, she had the fan like comedian, 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 comedian as well. You know, someone who has already had an affinity with the black British comedian community way before being woke was in vogue. So always been ahead of the curve, in my personal opinion. So uh, I am a very, I feel very privileged uh, to have you on the podcast. How have you been, Mr. Josh Howie? I'm all right, man. It's, it's um, I, I've spent a year and a bit like homeschooling five kids. So 
when I say I'm all right, I mean I'm absolutely <laughs> traumatized, and, <laughs> and my children are traumatized as well. That is, I'm the, I've never. I, I, I'm not very good with uh, mental health issues. I have no empathy. So when I hear like men, people say mental health, this and that, I'm just like, you losers with your <laughs> mental health. What's your problem? Just buck up your idea. <laughs> I was I was once like you. I I, now, I, now I get it. Yeah. Now I get it. Have you Absolutely. have you sold the uh, the book rights to the story of you looking after these children and homeschooling them for a year? I, I, I am not that level of hustler. Right, yeah. We should we should talk after the show because it's like <laughs> okay. You've seen Room, the producer. Right? You've seen Room. Yeah. You know, it's oh yeah. You know, it's this it's is like, much. This is much worse. Funnier, <laughs> funnier as well, which is probably you know. I mean, less sexual abuse, <laughs> but um, like which is always good. No, whatever people tell you. I should have said no. I should have said no sexual abuse. I realise that now. I'm sorry. Let me re, let me reset. No sexual abuse. And it's also when we put out. I forgot what that film was about. I thought it was just a person trapped in it. I forgot about the bad stuff outside. You know that goes on in. Uh, sorry. Yeah, you were just thinking all the good, the happy stuff. The kid gets a, the kid gets a haircut. Yeah. Well, just being trapped in a just being trapped in a room. We've all had that for it's a year. It's really so, you know. like a remake of Little Miss Sunshine when you think about it. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, well, it's it's got in an interesting direction, isn't it, Dane? It's probably time for a question, as the uh, format of this show dictates. Absolutely. As our very esteemed guest, Mr. Josh Howie, we invite you to ask our first question. Any question you would like, which we like to discuss for fifteen minutes, system change, and then uh, my co-host Howard will ask a question, and we will do the same. And then, lather and repeat, I will ask you a question uh, which we'd like to discuss, and then. When we are all done exchanging these streams of consciousness, uh, we'd like our listeners to find out where they can find out about your best work and some of your uh, previous work and work uh, in the future too. Uh, how does this sound? Sounds great. Lovely. Well, then Let's the floor it. is yours, sir, um, to ask the first question, please. Okay. Um, our Dane, I mean, this, this is a question of both of you. It's called Dane's Ask. Quite, yeah, but I guess what I want to ask is, what do you think the definition of Zionism is? just coming in you know nothing to that, it light. nothing to see Always. here just uh um oh god it's, it's, a, it's a great question because you know we, we we've we've i've known i've known josh for a while dane not as long as dane but uh i've known josh for a while we, we conversed about kind of uh some things in the past it, you know it it's a fucking crazy time for these kind of conversations that we're having right like the, i know we're about to have it but like just to preface the fact that the, the way that word is banded around at the moment is is pretty pretty frightening uh, it is frightening because i'm just gonna say i'm a zionist so and and so are 90 plus percent of jewish people it's just like i listened to, to your podcast with Ash uh, sure. from a few weeks ago, which is great. And I thought she made lots of very valid and um, insightful comments. But um, there are a few things, if I'm honest, mm. that Dane said that, that kind of shocked me a little bit, um, concerned me, if I'm honest, as well. Um, and I just wanted to talk, because I think a lot of um, those misconceptions sort of seem to come maybe from around what that word means. And when I say... Me, I, I'm talking about like it, you know its actual definition as opposed to what various people think it to mean. Mm. And I think that I mean, Dane, I don't know what you think, but I, I think that that phrase, that word, has been what it, what what it would have meant when we were kids. It doesn't mean that, or it doesn't it, it doesn't seem to mean the same well, no, anymore. Well, if I, maybe maybe if we uh, give a definition, as I understand, of Zionism, and then if uh, it is erroneous, yeah, then Josh can correct me, which I think is the best way forward. So as, as far as I understand Zionism uh, or the contemporary definition of Zionism would be, would uh, reference to, I guess, the political movement to have a Jewish state for the, uh, I guess, protection and for the allowance of the thriving of the Jewish, the global Jewish community uh, being located in Israel. And that's roughly, pretty much roughly, as far as I roughly understand. Th okay. I, I think, yeah, that's, you've, you've nailed it. It's an emancipation movement to uh, set up a state to allow the Jews, Jewish people to have self-determination um, within uh, our uh, ancestral homeland. So uh, uh, absolutely. Well, and by, by Jewish as well, I should add, that's referring to the social, uh, what as you said, the ethno-social group as opposed to the faith itself, well, right? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, Judaism in itself is obviously a very um, 
defining it. It's actually the technical definition is an ethno-religious state. Ethno-religious. Ethno-religious people. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, you know, Howard's surname is Cohen. Mm -hmm. There is actually like a Cohen gene that that goes that like an identifier code. You know, there are Mm -hmm. diseases and medical conditions that only affect uh, Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought you were about to say Cohen's then for a second, which I was going to start to fucking Co- Google that. You should probably check out. <laughs> you should check out. Find that, find that Cohen gene. Yeah. Um, and, um, and there is a common ancestry of when you look at Jewish DNA. Um, so uh, it, it, that is what I understand it to be as well. And like I said, 90 plus 90 to 96% of uh, Jews around the world and 100% of Jews in Israel pretty much, um, you know, believe essentially what it is now is, uh, and it doesn't mean that you can't criticize the Israeli government or the Israeli state or the action. It just means that you um, think that there should be a, this one place in the world mm a tenth the size of the UK mm. where Jews have self-determination. And, and, is, and, 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 is, this follow, and is, is this following historic uh, systematic oppression of the Jews from both uh, uh, biblical uh, texts of Torah or referring specifically following uh, events in um, you know World War II or the Holocaust, basically? Or- well, actually, well, actually, I mean, Zionism as a term was... Mm. Uh, came about in the uh, 1890s, I think, so way before the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. It was a political movement, uh, but it, and it was in response to uh, anti-Semitism in Europe, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, what really the pogroms in Russia, and yeah. the realisation that Jews had no... After 2,000 years of being, at various points, kicked out, murdered, raped, mm-hmm. um, and forced to convert, that we had no power because we had no safe space to exist and that's and and zionism of course because zion mount zion jerusalem is that's zion is now the word for the for the land of israel Mm, or uh, or jerusalem so that's um how it began but of course after um the holocaust the the case for it became much more urgent with you know at the time there were i think 1939 there were 17 million jews and we're still not up to that many Jews, uh, you know, uh, a life, uh, you know, now it's only 15 million still. So we've never, we still haven't recovered our, our numbers. Um, but the reason I ask, and I, and it's, it, it's the tricky one here, but although to be honest, I've had conversations with many of my friends, so it's mm. not something that negates friendship, but, um, there was a few things that you said, Dane, that I just wanted to, I guess, sort of clarify or, um, or, or, uh, like what? Okay, so one thing you said was that there was a lot of um, anti-black sentiment, particularly amongst Zionists. I don't know if you remember saying that mm-hmm. um, during, during the, um, the, the. What I would say is that. Well, first I would say that's just wrong. No offense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no, just no, not, no, no, no. I'd, I'd much rather know that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, it's not the case. I mean, you know, because. Um, what you, you did, you talked about Mizrahi Jews, and Mizrahi Jews aren't, aren't actually Ethiopian Jews. Ethiopian Jews are called something different. They're called uh, Beta Israel, which is means House of Israel, which is a slightly different thing. But Mizrahi Jews are the um, are Jewish people who lived in the Middle East, basically Iraq, uh, Iran, Egypt, uh, Yemen, and they existed in in those other countries in the Middle East mm. actually before Israel was destroyed by the Roman Empire mm-hmm. and Jews sent off on the diaspora and stuff because there was the destruction of the first temple. So there have been Jews in those countries, um, f- you know, for thousands of years yeah. uh, b- b- before Jesus' time. Um, and those Jews now mostly pretty much all live in the land of Israel. And those, those Jews are, I should say, um, brown, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, um, and they, they, uh, consists of about sixty percent of the um, the Jewish Israeli population. Right. So, the idea that they're um, racist against themselves, I I don't think that's the yeah. case. I, mean, I should probably clarify that. I was probably referring to, I guess, what would be referred to as white passing Jews or, I guess, Ashkenazi Jews. Um, Sh- sure. I, I mean, that I'm a white passing Jew, and I don't believe myself to be racist. Uh, not more than any other. 
we're quite yeah. classy person. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah, in our, you know, but but I just um, this idea that that Zionism is racist is 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 a falsehood, um, and um, you know, like and like you said, you know, we there are Ethiopian Jews, Indian Jews, Chinese Jews um, at, at the European. Um, the Eurovision Song Contest uh, was represented. Israel was represented by uh, an Ethiopian Jew. It was brilliant, I thought, and very beautiful. And um, so, it, I'm not saying that there isn't racism within Israel, but 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 that just goes for every group of people in the world ever, isn't it? Really, that you yeah. you'll, you'll always find some minority or or percentage, right? In, in almost yeah. every group. Well, there's a few because, like Dane, you mentioned this this like this um, sterilization program, and that. Unfortunately, is is uh, is a um, has been was sort of retracted pretty much a couple of weeks after this one article came out, and then it was reprinted in the Guardian and the Independent. And um, the original source for it, it was actually misquoted, and it's been there was like a big investigation in Israel. It was all it, it was shown not to be the case, and so there's I think there's a there's a um, part of the one of the ways of delegitimizing Israel is to try to say that it's a racist endeavor mm. and i think that unfortunately but you know but saying things like the sterilization program stuff which have been you know and there are lots of articles out there showing how this is it just it isn't the case um and in fact there's a massive population explosion of ethiopian jews uh, in israel um i think that it it ties into that narrative right which isn't um yeah. Anyway, that's. Hey, so should we get the next question? <laughs> no, no, no. Because no, uh, do, do you do you think that there? Are th- because I guess I think why I would probably be more explicit in talking about the nuance of anti-blackness within Israel is because obviously there is because as you said you've correctly identified there are obviously black Jews and uh, mm. you have the uh, and, um, and also you know a sect of Ethiopian Jews as well who have very close links to uh, Jewish lineage. Um, yeah, and they're Ju- they're Jewish. It's fine. Yeah, they're yeah, not, and, and they're, they're exactly. Jewish. Yeah, it's just a, they're just Jewish. And, uh, and so I think there's probably there's some of a narrative of affinity or commonality between the journey of the Jewish and African diaspora following chattel slavery and the Holocaust. So I guess it's more of I guess there's more of a surprise when there's such a uh, congruence in experiences between uh, the Jewish population and the African diaspora. And I guess a large part of that preconception for me comes from. The uh, what tends to be the pro-Israel lobby that also seems to share several alt-right and very racist rhetoric, particularly from in the America. We're talking about yeah, we're in yeah, in America. Yes, yeah, 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 sure. So I guess that's where I guess that's where that would stem from, and uh, it's it's kind of like I guess that's based on not having that clear of an idea of the ideological disposition where race relations is concerned uh, of uh, you know most Zionists other than the ones that you hear uh, in America who themselves aren't typically of the Jewish faith. They're, they're absolutely it. But, but uh, you know, there's the Christian far right and, you know, they're not people I'm particularly, I'm not fans of them. Uh, but I think that there's also this um, sort of movement to try and understand uh, Israel through the idea of uh, American racism. Mm. And I just, it, it's, it's just not the a similar situation um o- over there what what racism there is and if you think of it a different sex of um judaism mm. and if you think of how they are in a very small space and how they have integrated comparing that to different sects of christianity uh where in you know there's still strife and years of have been years of uh, tension, but also outright war between different sets of Christianity in uh, in, in in Northern Ireland and 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 uh, Scotland, or you you have uh, all what's going on in the Middle East between different sects of Islam. You know, yeah, yeah. so th- those that for me is is um, much more of the, the that, that those those uh, comparisons are for me, much more um, indicative of what's actually happening in Israel, but without mm-hmm. the sectarian strife to that level. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? If you compare it like yeah. that, then you think, well, yeah. actually, these guys are get, getting on pretty good. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it, 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 <laughs> might, it, it might be an extreme comparison. I guess the juxtaposition for me comes from the fact that it's like there is more and more clear evidence that uh, America's previous uh, administration 
actively encouraged or ratified the actions of neo-Nazis within the state, so, which for me have, have long existed as like, you know, the uh, polar uh, opposite enemy of the Jewish diaspora's, uh, you know, pursuit of self-determination and, uh, you know, religious and personal freedom. So that's why it's kind of like of all the allies to pick, like, and obviously we all need allies as we do kind of, we are embroiled in this kind of war for human consciousness, but of all the allies to choose, is that the the allies that the Zionist lobby would choose, the people that actually took in Nazi scientists as asylum seekers? And Yeah, I mean, America, I mean, that's like allying American Zionists with Nazi you know, yeah. that's the, the Nazi scientists are part of the American mm-hmm. state, you know, yeah. and and I think Israel does, um, you know, we're now talking sort of global politics, um, which is fine. But the point is that it, Israel does receive financial support and uh, from from America. And because there is a proxy war between Iran and uh, America, and this goes back you know, this is not a new thing. Not this just, not not just yeah. Iran as well, not just Iran. No, no, no. Yeah. Over, since, the, since Israel, you know, since 1947, they've been in war with many of those yeah. countries, right? Well, I mean, I mean, let's say 1948, oh, yeah, Israel yeah, I mean, yeah. declared, de- you know, um, you know, declared its statehood and was instantly invaded by <laughs> every single surrounding country trying to wipe 50 million Arabs, literally just went, right, we're going to try and wipe them out. And, they, and, it, and, it, and it didn't work. Um, and there has been many wars since then, but you know there are things that are mu- words that are used in what is the present Israeli-Palestinian mm. situation, like apartheid, um, like genocide, and they are again they're words to try and make this about race uh, and are not actually true to what is going on on the ground. Like saying apartheid, when you can't call Israeli and Israel an apartheid state, when you have now the um, the Arab uh, um, minority are going into power and are part of the government now for, and, and are kicked out uh, Netanyahu. So well, that's why it's going to be an interesting time to be doing these couple of episodes well, yeah, of the I podcast, think, I think, right? I think that's been, that, I think, and, and going back to the original question as well, Josh, because that's, that's an important point, is that, for me, my the understanding of, and I guess the affinity I have with the Zionist ideology, to me, makes perfect sense. I guess it would have been because the mainstream media narrative or the accompanying narrative has always almost been the pursuit of a land of safety and self-determination for the Jewish diaspora, but at the expense of Palestinians. Well, and, I mean... And, yeah, that's a problem, of course, and that was a problem since the time, you know. And in 1947, when the partition plan was recommended, uh, the idea was to exactly to split that land as as fairly as possible. Even though actually the land was originally including Jordan, which is now it's just a huge yeah. country. Oh, yeah. um, and I just want to say, the Palestinian uh, governments have been offered peace many, many times, including at that time to take that land and to have it at their own as a state. And, of course, um, West Bank and Gaza were part were controlled by Egypt and uh, Jordan for, like, 20 years, and they didn't, at that point, in any time there, go, we are creating our own Palestinian state. And the level of mm-hmm. details that you're, you know, sharing with us, Josh, is, is one of the things that um, I think is so absent in so many conversations. And and so we're kind of put in this position where, uh, and, and I think it's interesting just to relate this back to Ash uh, Saka, who we, we had on the, the show, who I think spoke really well. She probably, you might find differences of opinion, right? In what you say with her, but she, I think she spoke really well and she was very- She is way smarter than me. I bet you could find, the reason I was bringing that up is I bet you could find something that she's posted on social media would make you go, Oh, I mean, now you're just posting something that makes uh, a load of gaps in the actual conversation that makes it narrowed into something that is not as simple as you're portraying it. Now that's- well, she starts talking about, eth- she's the reason the thing is like she tweet about ethno states and stuff. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, again, ethno state seemingly, you know, to make it, to, it sounds like a sort of uh, Nazi discourse, you know, whatever. Mm. But let's look at what the ethno states out is that existed there. Pakistan. 
is an ethnostate. Yeah. Well, I can uh, argue that anything's this, an eth- <laughs> ethnostate. Yeah. Anywhere's a majority. Iraq, Iran. Yeah. I mean, well, these are yeah, all yeah, yeah, ethnostates. What's wrong with this one little tiny, tiny? Yeah, I mean, this, the history of America is 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 a, is a fascinating story of a battle of an ethnostate. So the idea, you know, it's um, it's it's you know, it's not like Jews are on you know and are trying to um take over the world and take over like like um like has happened with Christianity, like that's happened with Islam, taking over swaths of this planet and trying to control people. Jews just want this tiny little part of land, which is where we're from, to live in peace. But that's where, for me, and- it does get complicated because because I, I am not a religious person. I may be a Cohen, but I'm not a religious person. And therefore, you do, you know, whether it be with you or anyone who has, you know, kind of firm beliefs that our world should be governed by some basis of organized religion um i kind of i kind of that's a bit of a problem well i mean it's <laughs> but, but like you say you are you're not religious you're Jew, you know you are, are a cohen yeah yeah sure we have a cohen name so th- this is this is uh, the way i think to explain being jewish is you know we are a, a people who adopted a religion yeah it's probably which is why you've got a religious jews david Badil, who i re- highly recommend his book uh jews don't count um well, it doesn't talk about Israel, but it's but it's 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 fantastic, and so that is really a better. There, there are plenty of Jews who are not religious in any way, um, but this Israel is where we originated. Mm. Uh, I mean, aside, aside, aside from the uh, theological implications, anyway, can it not be said for like the collective consciousness of the Jewish community that like after being able to be witness to years of you know whether it's uh, just uh, you know religious persecution as well as just you know genocidal persecution yeah. it's not to be said that like you know irrespective of your uh religious inclinations it's like i want somewhere where my family and my offspring and my successive generations can just be fucking safe and in so many instances we've almost been wiped out so i mean that narrative which i guess some people would extreme as a more of an extreme form of zionist rhetoric but as to me it's understandable but then it's by that token of understanding well, if, 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 the extreme side of that sentiment, I should say, is understanding that is where I'm like, it, why it's, it's, like I said, it's, does the pursuit of a Jewish state have to happen at the expense of Palestinians' lives or civilians? Well, I, look, that, that, that's, a, that's a great question. And when you go to Israel, um, and it's a, it's a great, it's a country, people seem to sort of, I don't know how they, when they say it, it's like with such disgust or something, when you see it it's mentioned on social media or, uh, it, it, you know, it's a country and it's actually an incredibly pluralistic country with mm-hmm. gay pride and, 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 you know, all, and it's like an oasis in the Middle East of pluralism mm-hmm. where, you know, 70, 75% of the population are, uh, are Jewish and 20% are, are Arab uh, are Muslims. And then you've got about 5% of Druze and, and Christians and different other things. By the way, all living uh, with equal rights. That's mm-hmm. that's a massive point. So when people say the word apartheid, it's a re- such a ridiculous thing where every citizen of Israel has exactly the same rights. And you have Arab uh, Israeli mm-hmm. high school uh, high high court judges, doctors. A huge percentage of of, of uh, the Israeli healthcare system are are uh, um, Israeli, and, and now you have them uh the israeli arabs in government so when people say apartheid it's it i believe it's actually denigrating to true apartheid right. mm-hmm. um in the thing now you're right in that does it's like trying to say does jewish um the, oh yeah but one thing before i move to the next point is i just want to say that when you go to israel the reality it, it's just like you, you you're in any other sort of country in the, the so the on saturday is the day off yeah and the jewish holidays are the national holidays mm-hmm. you see what i mean like mm, yeah, it's yeah. not like it's like some alien world or whatever it just happens it's to not be like they, no, no, it's not walk, like they hand you a yarmulke at the airport when you get off the plane yeah, right no exactly yeah. i can walk down the street wearing a yarmulke and not be afraid and i'm sorry to say that 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 is not necessarily true in the uk and that's certainly and certainly not to the point of being a, a non-aware of what i'm wearing i have to yeah, walk yeah. down the street and be aware. And that is a place, I go to Israel, and you can wear a yarmulke, 
and you are not concerned that someone might just randomly come up yeah. and punch you in the face, as happened to a rabbi a couple of weeks ago in Chicago. I mean, and, and I'm sure it's happened in several occasions, and that's probably, that's probably an in, it's only an incident that we've actually heard of, because obviously I'm more than aware of anti-Semitic my, microaggressions myself from living in in the UK. But but you, I didn't answer your question, sorry, and I'll do that, which is, you know, does that right to be able to do that top Trump or another way of phrasing it as well, Josh, is that is like, is there a way then of being able to distill Zionist sentiment or Zionist ideology from the phenomenon of the occupation of the West Bank and Gaza? Well, pe- peace. It, it yeah. is, well, the, and the occupation, first of all, let me say, there is no occupation in Gaza. So <laughs> what happened there was Israel get, what gave that to the Palestinians as their own state there are no jews in israel mm-hmm. there are no israelis you know it they handed it over they removed all of their settlers mm-hmm. and and left them a 23 billion dollar industry that was immediately destroyed that then the gazans voted in hamas a genocidal terrorist organization who kill homosexuals and uh subjugate women and then declared immediate war on israel and part of hamas's uh, Charter is the utter destruction of Israel, and not just Jews. It's worth saying one thing about the rise of Hamas, which is that I think, if I'm not mistaken, when they were getting voted in, they they slightly softened that um, <laughs> in the election yeah, yeah, campaign. Yeah. They slightly yeah, softened. They, it. they, sl- they slaughtered any rivals after that point. They won by not a huge majority, but they and slaughtered all the all of their rivals, and have not had an election since that point many like more than a decade ago so there is no occupation of gaza israel controls its border against gaza the other side of the border is egypt but no one gives egypt shit about what they let in or out or what whatever of why is israel going to let just anything go into the country which can then be used to attack it uh, of course the loss of life is is terrible but that that if 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 wales was bombing London with four four and a half thousand rockets. <laughs> well, no, there's going to be no retaliation at all. And 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 Israel, the the lengths that they they are aware that the world's um, media is on their yeah. cases, and, and and rightly so. Probably the most viewed war, and, and yet the lengths that Israel goes, they don't want to kill any innocent people. They go to insane lengths. They call up a house near a a place that's like sending out bombs. And by the way, Gaza deliberately sets up its, um, its uh, missile sites in, they found just found one in a school and in the civilian areas deliberately. So civilians will die, but they, Israel calls people up. There's conversations online and says, by the way, we're going to bomb you in 10 minutes. You have 10 minutes to get out because we're going to bomb a house down the road and we want you to be safe. That doesn't happen in any other war. Do you reckon it's, you do you reckon it's an automated service? Or uh, When I heard that story the other week, I was like, "Is that? I wonder if that's an automated call. Or if, you, if someone actually has to pick up the phone and go, hi, is that, uh, yeah, 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 just wondering yeah. if you want to get oh, out. Stop, stop spam calling me. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so I, I've, I've quite happily... Um, just give my question is, is is folding into this Josh's question because I I mean I'm gonna just give a until we're gonna move on to Dane's question in a little while but because but my f- kind of continuation of this subject is mm. uh, uh, something I didn't really get onto with Ash and I, I listened to back to our episode with Ash and I did think we did uh, as good as you could do for 15 minutes of <laughs> of conversation about <laughs> something you know there was some stuff that people could take away from it but the bit that I am fascinated by is why. Why is it this conflict that obsesses the world? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why, why is it this conflict that obsesses the world? That is such an interesting subject to me. And uh absolutely i mean it's insane you look at what's happening in syria half a million people have been killed in the last 10 years have you got a hundred thousand people in central london coming through and say no because it's muslim on muslim violence more palestinians have been killed in the syria conflict it's it's totally but because it's muslims involved no one cares you know, mm. you look at the Uyghurs in, in you, China. Just to make clear that what you were saying, when no one cares, the the, the press don't, yeah. Uh, yeah. or the, the yeah. Yeah, generally, yeah, but it's not just that. What I no, mean is... No, like I think, I think, I, no, I think you're right, Josh. I think how I've said, I think you're right. I think, you know, the world has been inculcated with the normalisation of uh, sectarian violence amongst the uh, uh, Islamic world. So much so, like you said, you you have a proxy war, which is probably argue, happening on a arguably larger scale than the Israel-Palestine conflict, because, you know, you have... Russia as a superpower involved in Syria, as well as the states, as well as China having some involvement as well. That's had um, knock-on effects in terms of the change in the administration and now the very oppressive regime that's in Libya. So, you know, like, no one's no one's really brought Syria over the course of over a year because of uh, the pandemic. And, that, and, um, and that's where you get into this thing, yeah. and I can, I can only say this to listeners, you know, with some kind of... Uh, soulful meaning in my heart as no, like, I just think we just please, please spend some, if you really want to care about some of these subjects, spend the time reading up on it and really trying to understand it. Don't just be these people kind of like flaccidly passing a, a retweet judgment on something. You do, yeah, but, how, but, how that, but how that's easier. And really, I guess when we discuss conflict at this scale, the overarching, for me, the overarching narrative is the fact that none of this is okay. Like none of these things where we are either, you know, turning a blind eye to proxy wars to enjoy some level of comfort here in terms of the lack of, you know, I mean, we're experiencing probably unprecedented political instability for a couple generations here now, but in comparison to what we see in places like Syria, like it's minuscule, but it's so much easier, you know, people enjoy those benefits and people, and we still enjoy comparative privilege by living in this part of the world and the proxy wars that our administrations finance and profit from, we don't see the direct effects of that. But it's only a matter of time now as we're seeing more and more people wash up on our shores and more people trying to escape these kind of conflicts. So I know it's like it's easy to say to people, don't do this, but it's like the truth is if we really want to examine this, we have to go on a larger scale and examine the fact that our country profits considerably from the sale of weaponry and torture implements to continue these conflicts. Yeah, so, and, and it's that, and it's that yeah. kind of thinking of, of the, the. I always bring up Inception, don't I, Dane? Where, <laughs> yeah. like, go to the next level with this. Like, what? Stop, don't just look at this ground level. Like, there's so much more to all of these conversations we're having. And- what Ash said, you know, like Ash said about, you know, stop, <laughs> no, don't read a tweet, or it's got to be longer than 180 characters or whatever it is. Yeah. To uh, you, you've got to read actual books and be interested in these things. And I consider myself a member of of the left, and 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 yet I almost, like laughed. I said, I almost laughed when you said that just because the amount of people on the left who will get angry by things <laughs> you've well, said no, today they they're like oh we don't want you we don't want you and this is and this is our, and this is the problem is that it's uh i guess this very rigid crystallization of the sub uh genres within leftist ideology that has made That's- most people that would sit somewhere in a moderate part of the left i'd say like quasi-socialist like at least someone that would grow grown up in the UK understanding the merits of having a universal healthcare system mm. has begun to drift across the centre and now is, well, I guess you could describe their position politically now as Middle Eastern because they're just <laughs> like right off centre. So, but like, but like I feel like yeah. one thing that Josh, you know, we just said at the start of this thing and then we'll move on to Dane's question is, is just that, that, that I remember talking to a comedian uh, a while, many years ago, this is pre-Me Too, and she was trying to explain to me how 
mental she thought it was that anyone could consider themselves not a feminist when the definition that she said to me of what feminism is is for women to be... You can't even say it. You can't even say it, Howard. You can't even bring yourself... It was going to be such a good point as well. What a shame. Feminism. It's clear to me that you consider feminism to be like the bitter bile in your throat, Howard. You can't even bring yourself... Yeah, I was trying to be really cool. helpful. Cool. I was trying to be really helpful. helpful. Anyway, my point was going to be, my point was going to be that she was saying it, it's it's the idea of women should be equal. Which how could anyone disagree with that? And I was, I mean, she kind of pointed that out. This is quite a number of years ago. I was like, well, of course, everyone's a feminist then, right? And I think in in the sense of you know that, that when you think about Zionism, the the, the word has become so uh, dirty word turned into something that now. isn't just saying yeah. the Jews should have a homeland. Like that's like. That's yeah. that take, take away self determination because, because also the, the Netanyahu government and I don't want to go down this road yeah, silly but well, like well, he's, he's gone he's gone, he's gone as gone. well he's gone as well which is why it's so interesting yeah. you having these conversations is that yeah. you can now look back on that era and go well okay not quite really working for everyone <laughs> and but he they, they made massive mistakes clearly and, but those mistakes aren't just the mistakes on the, you know for him that the mistakes that the other side were making they they the, the leaders of these organizations are not no, it's competent. such a, it's such a, no well it's such a, a, a but but for you got to think though for a significant portion of of israelis he did a job which he meant to, which for that keeping him safe. Now mm. that's not to say I'm a fan of his, but no, I get it. No, um, it's like with COVID. That, it's like with COVID and John Boris went up the fucking ratings well, because it, he stopped you getting COVID. But I mean, he wasn't that and, good. At and it. for Israelis, he's stopping them getting bombed in their buses and in their cafes. So, yeah. so you know, by building a uh, by building the fence. So th- and that doesn't make things right. But you've got to understand that's their mentality in a, in a country that sees itself under siege that has on its border people declared to kill them and sending muscles so on, missiles on that, on that note i'm gonna steer it to dane uh, on this, this very interesting episode a uh, question and everything where dane you had a, a question that you you mentioned to me earlier you, you weren't sure if you were going to mention it but i think you should about the um uh the anti anti-semitism it's my favorite. My favorite subject. Well, yeah, no, uh, yeah. It's, 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 it's my hobby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my hobby. It's, 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 I, I think it's a very good one, and I, I think it's a you know, it's a. I and the reason why I try to frame your question is that I think it is a, uh, uh, you know, a subsection of the larger discussion about race relations, um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to find out how the Jewish community, uh, from your perspective, I guess, yeah, from your perspective, and it being one of yeah, your favorite yeah. subjects what is the consensus amongst the Jewish community uh, in terms of the race report with regards to anti-Semitism? Because, you know, our country's uh, uh, current political administration proudly declared Mm. that we are a shining beacon in terms of race relations and recognition and tolerance of social groups throughout Western Europe and the world, and that there is no real issue of uh, structural institutional racism in the UK. Now, I know that me and the brothers and sisters were not feeling that. But uh, so, so, uh, so far as the, the, so the what, Jewish community, I, 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 I mean, the, the first of all, I say that the Jewish community just just did because the Jewish community in the UK has black Jewish members, mm-hmm. and and we had, um, we had them on the podcast as well. Yeah, yeah and, and what? Yeah, and one of them, uh, I, I can't remember his name. Please don't call me a racist for not remembering his name but he's did got five he's kids like, he's got five kids it's not easy remembering his name I don't know I do not know the name of every Jew ever but they just did the board of British board of deputies um, Jewish deputies just completed a similar um, sort of study or report into uh, black racism in, in the Jewish UK Jewish community so um because there have been issues, I think, with black Jews turning up to synagogue and n- not necessarily and not feeling welcome is the gist of it. And the, and what they the main thing that was really identified from this was the security guards. Now, Jew, Jewish schools have security guards, uh, synagogues, Jewish institutions, all Jewish institutions. Have, why do we have security guards? Because people like to murder us. Mm-hmm. Um, and in France, you know, a few years ago, you just had. Uh, um, you know, Jewish school uh, uh, by an Islamist came in and, and killed a couple of kids. Oh, uh, so, us, us you too. Know. And, and also, and also uh, Anders Breivik's attack in Norway was targeting uh, Jewish students as well in the largest uh, yeah. uh, mass shooting uh, since World War Two. So, 
Yeah. So it's so you know, and, and there are constant attacks, and there was a shooting that was stopped because there were the guards and having a, a, a sort of iron door. Anyway, point is that um, this study, one of the things it found out, which is the the security guards who were hired were basically racial profiling. I guess is probably the the, the uh, in the questioning. Uh, black or non-Ashkenazi Jews as to their... Uh, and that's not... There are Sephardi synagogues in the UK. Sephardi means like Spanish of origin who different, very dark usually and, and also Moroccan and, and and then there are Ashkenazi Jews who look like me um, who tan well. Um, Beautiful Mediterranean and, tans. Yes, exactly. Uh, so yes, questioning that. So, so there were... And, and, not, and that's wrong. And that is now... Steps have been taken to educate the uh, security on the door who sometimes are of different nationalities themselves. They aren't Jewish necessarily, uh, but they're of different nationalities, to educate them as to to being more welcoming. Also a few things like, you know, and in our synagogue as well, we have a few black mem- black Jewish members. And, um, and this is something I hadn't really taken in, but when I see a Jewish black member, I'm so excited. My natural inclinations go what's up how did this happen <laughs> where are you from like what give me the full loadout now that's me seemingly coming from an excited place of like this is this is my dream you know this is what i've always wanted to be um and uh the best of both worlds and so uh sorry for the cultural appropriation um <laughs> and uh so it's um but realizing now from these and from these conversations that were had and our synagogue just i just did uh, finished actually about a month ago but just had an anti-racism um program uh it was seven weeks of sort of two hours so it's 14 hours of talking about all this stuff mm. about why that might be inappropriate and of course one person thinking they're being friendly if you have everybody in the shul, the synagogue, going up and saying what, you know, and ha- like having to justify yourself, how that could be actually not welcoming at all and othering. So there are li- things like that have, there is, is, is uh, something that the Jewish community is very eager to deal with uh, and, and, and um, to better. Uh what do you think? What do you think, Dane? Do you fancy giving it giving it a whirl? You could, uh, we could, could yeah, try I mean, out this. I mean, I mean yeah. For me, for me it, it's it seems it would it just seems remiss that you know there isn't normal, regular, uh, interactive discourse amongst the Black British and Black um, and uh, British Jewish population with so much commonality in their experiences. Um, yeah, Absolutely, I mean, but you know, Jews, Jews have always always been overrepresented in the civil rights struggle certainly in america mm, definitely absolutely in terms of all the, and the lawyers and starting civil yep. rights movements yep. and uh, but uh, maybe the difference is that you know there is somewhat of an homogenous body a jewish body to be able to uh talk to the british board of jewish deputy yep. i don't obviously the the you know, being black is such a—it's a much more, much more. It's a much broader. It's a much broader definition, yeah. And, it, and, it's, and what are we talking about? And it, exactly, and there's intersectionality because obviously you have a black Jews and black British Jews as well. So it's not as and it's, and it's. I, I guess it's it's an interesting point to bring up as well because when did the conversation about self determination between groups comes up? A lot of the time, and I think it's a very regressive and very subversive tactic. A lot of the time, the state of uh, you know, I guess, black prosperity is juxtaposed with that of Jewish prosperity. And this question, a very flippant question, uh, people, why can't we be more like Jews? And I feel like it's not something we can necessarily compare. But then at the same time, I think there is such a nuance to uh, both our experiences and so much intersectionality between those two journeys that, you know, when instances like if I make an erroneous comment about my understanding of Zionism happens on a podcast, uh, or, you know, we previously discussed like some of Wiley's comments towards the Jewish community as well. That was a good there episode. Should be, there should be an understanding where it's not a upheld belief that there is a sentiment of um, endemic uh, and anti-Semitism amongst the black community that I've ever been aware of. And, you know, I'm sure it's not, you know, given the level of representation of the Jewish community within progressive ideology as well as civil rights, it doesn't seem that it would make sense that there is a accepted normalization of anti-blackness amongst the Jewish community either. So, but obviously we don't know for sure unless we continue to talk because as I said, there's, there's just been so many opportunities for, you know, Abs- the meeting of those absolutely. two cultures, both artistically as well as uh, 
socio-politically that um yeah it's just where it doesn't happen on a regular basis I think we should get. I think we should get some kind of. We maybe we could start it and and on the. I'm going to get all of what you just said and put it on a t-shirt. By the way. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it should because I'm having a conversation because uh, Ashley Blake, who was a producer for Little Britain, invited me to JW7 to have a discussion. Yeah, I saw the JW3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. JW3. Sorry. So, but I think we should open up a little kind of monthly event. It's a black Jewish event behind the stage. There's a big, big fucking mural of Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. And um, we can all just get. I think. Well, how can you not get behind that? Move, move forward from there. And then, and then, and then you Photoshop like Lenny and Zoe Kravitz in there as well. And uh, <laughs> can't go wrong. Sammy um, Davis Jr. Pretty much, I'd say yeah, so. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a great night out. What, we have to come what up with Goldberg in name only. Also, no, no, she's not. She converted. She, she converted. converted. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. Uh, Goldberg. Uh, Drake. Yeah, Obviously Drake as well. Yeah, but I have Drake in there as well. And and I also recall, I remember uh, Mel Brooks making a film, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, with Dave Chappelle. I think honourable mention for that alone. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely think, have that work in there. I think, I think it needs a real brand. I have to go and talk to my branding team that I've just made up. Um, that, uh, that <laughs> really, you want to get that brand right. You, know? you want to make it really catchy. But we should definitely work on that. <laughs> I'm quiet for it anyway. No, I'm definitely. Well, I feel definitely, we've yeah. we've taken huge steps, yeah. huge huge steps today, <laughs> moving forward. Yeah, and uh, but, uh, it is an interesting thing to to. I always uh, the the phrase "whataboutery" is a is a very popular phrase at the moment, and and it actually quite upsets me in regard to this bit of the conversation regarding um, uh, sharing experiences between black and Jewish communities. It's not, you know, like nobody wants to try and win that. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's it's, vast it's, history. It doesn't, it's not a competition. Yeah. It's not, a, that's the thing is, I think yeah, it yeah. is like, you know, some people try and re- yeah. represent it as a competition and it's, it's not, they are different experiences exactly. of prejudice. But that, that being said, I think that's, that's the thing is that when you are contextualizing all of this, uh, all these phenomena within the framework of capitalism, people tend to uh, interpret these atrocities as a zero-sum game because they feel like, you know, if you are experiencing it, what follows is going to be some level of remuneration or compensation that's going to come after it. And so there's this almost like this clamoring to be like, well, we've got it harder, so we deserve this. and We've got it harder, so we deserve this. But they've got this, so why should we care that much? Or, mm-hmm. you know, aside from all of that, in some instances, it's not always within the commercial interest for people to care. And so, you know, through news cycles and 24 news cycles and through, I'd say, that level of uh, manipulation, then it's very easy to move people's gaze to certain atrocities, which uh, are very similar in nature, like you said, with uh, sectarian violence in Syria, to move their gaze away from that and not really, fo- or like, you know, focus on, you know, China's treatment of uh, Uyghur Muslims as well. People are very, or even in um, in Burma as well. Amazing how that's, in, no in, one's yeah, talking in, about in, that. Bur- in Burma as well, it's, it's, you know, that, that's been going on with the Rohingya Muslims, right? That's been going on for... It's crazy. How is no you know, a million a million Uyghurs yeah, in China are be that is genocide. That is sterilization really? and camps and whatever. Yeah. And and I still, very I still get wound up about like, Australia. I still look at Australia at times and just think what? Are you talking what about the mass after the mass shooting? But they had a mass shooting in Australia last year. Well, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the the the, yeah. the, the native the natives who 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 we just Oh yeah, just oh, been, what happened oh, yeah. It's just this one actually my my dad is uh, straight. My my dad, my uncle married an Aborigine woman, so my all my cousins are Aborigine. So every time I see them, I love being Aborigine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I mean, really Aborigine. I'm yeah, really there. I mean, Come on. It's, 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 I mean, and with that being said, it is to say, you know, Tasmania was the place of oh an actual gosh. genocide, uh, yeah, and you know, absolutely. it's something that we don't really talk about enough. And I mean, I guess for me, uh, I think as we I think, I, know, I, just think, I think as we've, uh, uh, with, with the advent of this pandemic, where I think a lot of us learned that there are a lot of tenants to capitalism that don't have much of a structural or real, you know, scientific or factual basis. That it, um, so, so simply put it, we don't necessarily see money every day to fucking live. And I think by that token, that's made us ask larger humanitarian questions about the commercial interests that uh, kind of fuel a lot of the conflicts on this planet. And... You know, when you look at something like, uh, you know, the genocide that took place in Tasmania is why I guess these questions are becoming a lot more intense because, you know, I I think people's understanding of theology and spirituality is changing over time. Mm. And so the justification and the basis for some of these conflicts, I think, are coming into question again. But then 
that being said, um, I think overall there's a larger humanitarian question and it's the preservation and the, you know, nurturing of human life should be, isn't that like the cornerstone of all Abrahamic religion? So I guess that's part of the larger conversation, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got to say, Dane, it sounds like you have used the lockdown a lot better than I have. <laughs> <laughs> Dane Baptiste uh, will be in politics within the next decade. It's uh, it, oh, yeah, no, but it's, it's guaranteed. I barely be able to. <laughs> I'd just barely be able to get out of bed. No, but you're doing, out of bed. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Chuck, chuck, chuck some mass questions at my kids go, and be like, "Leave kids. me alone." But that's yeah. it. I think I think we haven't even talked about you're educating your kids, you know, for the next generation, and and this is the thing. Badly, I'm educated. That's the problem. Yeah, but how, much, how much can you fuck you up equations, argue, Josh? Come argue, on, mate. You could argue, Josh, how relevant is a human being with mathematical knowledge in a world of artificial intelligence and binary code where these calculations can be done thousands of times faster by technology we've created? You know, so I would say I think you're I think you're overestimating the, the, the intelligence <laughs> of my children. <laughs> the skills that they have is n- they're not there quite there yet to binary uh, programming. Now it has been. Uh, I hope our listeners have enjoyed a slightly different episode with a with a real focus uh, throughout the the, the question. Um, I, I I really enjoyed today's episode, Dane. No, absolutely, man. And I think it's it, this is the most important part of these discussions of ideology is that you need these conversations to take place with people that are actively involved in these situations. Like, it, there would be no way we could have a conversation about, you know, the Israel-Palestine conflict without speaking to somebody who is a Zionist and someone... And, you know, it's... And it goes to show you that, you know, the respect I have and kinship I have with Josh precedes, you know, your theological, ideological disposition. So we should be having these conversations all the time. You, like... We may not agree, but we have a mutual respect. And so there's no reason why this conversation can't take place and find that mutuality. I feel like we have found the mutuality. And to be honest, a lot of things you, you said I, we totally do agree on. Um, and it is amazing to to have these conversations. And I just want to point out, I'm not some spokesman for Israel or something. I'm just a normal that's, Jewish guy. That's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be spokespeople and pedagogues and, and like, you know, and, and, and ideologues. It's supposed to be a regular Jewish guy and a, and a, a regular Muslim woman. These are people that should be able to have exactly, this But you don't hear, exactly. you don't hear those voices exactly. whenever they get in people to talk about that or to talk about trans issues or talk about it you know they're not getting in people to actually who are living that to talk you know they're getting in other people in which it it, it is uh, it's not like other people's opinions aren't valid and important and knowledge is and don't have knowledge about things but it is nice to hear also the people who are directly involved and, stuff. and the reason why i have to learn dates and things is only just to fight this sort of insane disinformation that's out there Absolutely. that I've sort of seen over the, and, and bleeds unfortunately into real world racism of, Absolutely. you know, like I say, a rabbi being attacked in the street and convoys of cars driving through Jewish areas, screaming to rape Jewish daughters and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and gangs of, of men walking around central London calling for Jewish blood. You know, it's like, yeah, it's, what, it's what is going on? Yeah, yeah. What it's is mad. going on? And, and, the thing, and the thing is, it's one of these situations whereby, you know, as I'm sure ancestors and relatives will tell you, like, it doesn't start off with this immediate, like, voracious calling for Jewish blood. It's these incremental normalizations of hatred Absolutely. and slip and anti-Semitic comments. And, you know, like, I mean, from my perspective, I'm, as, a, as, a, as a black dude taking it day by day, a race report in this country where they're like, nah, there's no racism. You're like, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, that in itself is pretty bold, and then he, and then it's how they do it as well. They're like, "Yeah, look, this Kem- Kemi said so. You can trust her." Like, <laughs> never seen her in our entire life. Like, the former minister for racial equality, Trevor Phillips, then joined UKIP. I mean, <laughs> it's unprecedented times. Um, but no, this conversation has been very useful. Yeah. I hope it's been useful for our listeners as well. And um, for the listeners, we are always more than uh, happy to continue this conversation. Um, no, we are not under any kind of. Uh, a misguided belief that we can solve it and with please, a please don't post. please don't tweet abuse at me i really can't have, yeah, that, <laughs> I, get yeah, so much, exactly. I get so much abuse from like Corbynites and death threats and emails through my no, website send josh nice messages everyone if you can <laughs> yeah, so if, so send nice nice, messages, guys or if, please or, or, that would be or if you, or, you, or, you don't want to hear it guys don't go to josh's shows but if you do want to hear good stuff <laughs> 
and you are a lesbian who can control your affection towards Josh, that's a conversation for another time, but it makes sense when you see it. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, Josh, let our listeners know where they can hear more about your good works in terms of your combating against uh, anti-Semitism and comedy as well. Yeah, but, uh, please, uh, yeah, please follow me on, on Twitter, Josh X Howie. Um, and um, also, yeah, uh, if you'd like to listen, say, I'm very proud I did a series on uh, Radio 4 called Josh Howie's Losing It. Both series are on the, um, the Sounds app, and I'm very proud of it. And I, if you like, um, it's not very particularly Jewish. It's not. It's not. It's not really. See, the thing is, it's interesting that, you know, I mean, that for me is a very good uh, indicator of someone who's aware of anti Semitism is that you have to preface stuff by saying it's not too Jewish and it's not like, you know, it's just just a guy having a kid. That's really what it's about, uh, you know. Who happens to be Jewish? Yeah. That's it. Which is fine anyway, Josh. So yeah. fuck you if you have a problem with it. <laughs> um, nice one, Josh. I'm so glad we did this. It was uh, absolutely it was, it was always great. good to hear from you. It's nice to see you guys. Yeah, you too. Although Dane, I can't actually presently see. But I feel, like, I feel like you can feel me though, Josh. You can feel the love. I can feel the good vibes. <laughs> yeah, that's, so it's all, yeah. that's all that matters, man. Just vibes. But yeah, thanks again, Josh. Pleasure. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste questions everything. Hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnaptiste. Our guest was Josh Howie. You can follow Josh on Twitter at JoshXHowie. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly, and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.